Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The rarest species of human in our city is a fan, a true fan, a diehard, passionate, emotional, goes through every single stinking loss fan of the Pittsburgh Baseball Club. And to see them have found one little corner, even if it's of virtual reality, in which to congregate and feel a little bit of pride and express themselves that way, has really been something to behold. Good morning to you. Good Thursday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is a rather unusual episode of Daily Shot of Pirates, which comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or hockey. I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Penguins where you found this. Pirates 5, Dodgers 3, Pirates Take the series. I, could, I thought I'd get through that without laughing. The Pirates take the series from the $300 million Dodgers. Right after losing two of three to the not $300 million Reds in Cincinnati. Baseball is a crazy game. Some of you might have noticed that the Reds went on to have a really good series against the Brewers of all teams. It just goes like that sometimes. Well, except for the Pirates where it always goes a certain way in Cincinnati. But here they were facing the Dodgers and giving them at least two of the three games. The one in the middle, of course, was an 11-1 to blowout for LA. Some of their best baseball that they'd shown anyone so far this season. Jack Sawinski continued to hit. Key Brian Hayes continued to hit. Diego Castillo continued to hit. The bullpen, other than Chris Stratton, continued to pitch mostly well. There were even a couple of strong starts. The first one, of course, by Jose Quintana producing the Pirates' first win since D-Day. And the one yesterday making for one of those fun piggyback efforts between Dylan Peters and a seemingly revitalized Max Kranich. Good for them. Good for all of them. I'm going to say this until I'm blue in the face, but there is value in winning in 2022, especially when you can do it with a little bit of machismo, when you can feel it. I purposely left out Daniel Vogelback and his mind-blowing home run over the Clemente wall yesterday. And I say mind-blowing because it got to that back fence above the seating section, in about 0.0001 seconds. And he he hammed it up a little bit. He had the big barrel chest sticking out, and he stands there for a minute, Is now seems to have become okay in the game. And yeah, feel a little good about things. It's okay. Feel good about yourself if you're the Pirates. Feel good about the Pirates if you're yourself. 
Which brings me to this corner that's, I'm not exactly sure how it got started, though I do know some of the individuals involved, but it's become something that I guarantee you not even they foresaw. This portion of Daily Shot of Pirates is brought to you by our friends at North Shore Tavern that's directly across Federal Street from PNC Park. It's home of Steak on a Stone, an eating experience, underscoring the word experience. The steak is brought to you partially cooked on an 800-degree stone, and you do the rest. It's a ton of fun, it's a great meal, and it's a baseball atmosphere like no other in Pittsburgh. North Shore Tavern, right across Federal Street from PNC Park. So here's how it works. On Twitter, where all sports fans are, and definitely where all Pittsburgh sports fans are, I'm probably not stretching it when I say that, you'll invariably see the social media account of all teams, all sports. When their game is done, they will post the final score, no matter how grotesque it is for their guys. The Pirates had to put one up this year that was, okay. (laughs) So what this group has done, and my understanding is that it's completely spontaneous and not at all arranged, when the Pirates beat a team, no matter who the team is, although, you know, you don't exactly do victory laps over beating some of them, they will go under that tweet and reply to it with their own creative, usually artwork-based, memes. And they are hilarious. I mean, it's usually to the effect of your poverty franchise just lost to the Pittsburgh Pirates or, you know, Greg Brown and Bob Walk and really enjoyed calling your loss to the Pittsburgh Pirates. Some of them get into individual players. Will Crow has only one L in Will. The other L is for you. Stuff like that. And it ends up clogging this team's replies to the point that their own fans don't even have a chance to respond and instead are left wondering, wait a second, people follow the Pirates? What the heck is this? And in its own incredibly amusing way, it reminds the rest of the baseball world, no matter if the account is small or massive, like the one that the Dodgers run, that the Pirates do, in fact, still exist. Now, who gets credit for this? Well, my man Mitch from the South Side Slopes, who I do know, took this to another level by getting one of those Cameo recordings from Matt Adams. If you don't know what Cameo is, basically, you send a request and pay for it to anyone, star, biggest stars in the world, as long as they're involved in the program, and you put down something that you want them to say. It's usually used for things like birthday wishes. So you surprise your your brother or your sister with a message that says, uh, hey, I'm Leonardo DiCaprio, and I'd just like to wish you a happy birthday from Billy, Johnny, and Joey. And like the person's going, oh my God, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. Well, Mitch reached out to Matt Adams, which is hilarious enough in and of itself that Matt Adams has a cameo. Matt Adams, of course, being the, the former Slippery Rock guy. and outstanding performer and World Series champion with the St. Louis Cardinals. And Matt Adams on Mitch's cameo says something along the lines of, I'm informing you that you lost to the Pirates. Now, yesterday, 
and I had heard that this was in the works. Nick, who goes by Pirates Die Hard on Twitter, managed to get the coup of all coups in getting Clint Hurdle, who very much has the sense of humor to go along with something like this, okay? Not to mention some justifiable pride in having been a Pirates manager for an extended period who has a winning record as the Pirates manager. I don't know how many people realize that. That's quite the anomaly. And this was what Nick got Clint to say. And you got a posse of people that wanted to let you know. It's hard for me to do, but I'm going to do it. Your poverty franchise just lost a series to the Pittsburgh Pirates. That, my friends, is the very first reply underneath the tweet from the Dodgers announcing their final score. It just sits up there. It can't be moved. You know, you can't shuffle it around, even if it's your account that created the original tweet. I am here to tell you right now, and unapologetically so, that I love this. Okay? I love seeing this. I know there's always going to be shots and jabs from people. You're supporting nutting and whatever else here, as if any team's fans ever root for the owner. My own belief is that any fans of any team anywhere have the right to do whatever the hell they want. And they don't need anyone else's approval to do it. This thing, if you're interested in monitoring, it happens immediately at the end of the game. Immediately. As soon as that last ball is grabbed and Brian Reynolds and the other outfielders leap up into each other in the outfield, pay attention to it. It's a blast. And I'm really glad something like that exists. When we come back, just one question. Today's J1Q comes from Durbo, who asks in reference to my lead topic yesterday uh, about whether or not the Pirates' pitching performances, in particular the starting pitching, has more to do with Ben Charrington and his staff just whiffing on evaluations when they've made trades, or if it has more to do with Oscar Marine as pitching coach, never making anybody any better. So now the cue comes from Durbo, who says, okay, I'll bite. How about Dylan Peters? Though it's still a small sample size, he does look impressive. He does. He does. That's my answer. I'm not going to deny that Dylan Peters looks good. He had another good start yesterday in, in the piggyback role. But again, I'm always open to change and uh, modern adaptations to older things. And if you can get yourself five, six innings or whatever it is out of Peters and Kranich, there's really not that much of a difference between that and what Quintana did the other night, except that Quintana, you know, he's just one guy. <laughs> you know, if you can use someone like Peters or Kranich or Will Crow consistently and more often in appearances of three or even four innings, but most likely three, then you're just finding a different way to utilize your staff, and there's nothing wrong with that. Now, every time I bring up 
Marine and the fact that he has never improved any starter since he's been here, I get back, well, what about so-and-so reliever or so-and-so long relief guy? And I'm sorry, but right now that's what Peters is. Okay, he's not someone that you would consider a major league starter. And the reason that I know that is that if the Pirates were to hypothetically put him on the market, would he be valued by other teams the way you would a starter? No, the answer is no. It's no. It's a hard no. If Dylan Peters were to suddenly become a free agent, go out on the open market, and he would tell teams, I'm a starter. What do you think the team's reaction would be when making him offers? Okay, so that kind of closes that case. I'm referring, and this is only my own criteria, which doesn't count for anything more than the criteria of one person. Mine's not any more important than anybody else's. But my own is that the pitching coach should be evaluated, not because I don't like the guy. I don't even know the guy, really. There was a pandemic. We didn't get to know a lot of these people. And not because I'm trying to cherry pick bad pitchers in order to to build a case here. I don't really have any reason to do that. I don't have any motivation to do that. Believe me, I'd much rather come to you with a daily shot of Pirates of how Marine has worked pure magic regarding this team's starters, about how Zach Thompson and Bryce Wilson and everybody else have just evolved in ways that they're Previous employers could never have envisioned. That's a much more fun show for me to do, and it's a much more fun show for you to listen to. But that's kind of not the way this thing is going to go here. The pitching coach has to make his starting pitchers better. If he doesn't, he is not a useful pitching coach. He's not someone who should be a pitching coach in the majors. So let's see him do more with the pitchers he's gotten, and to those of you who have correctly countered that, well, these pitchers just might not be very good. Okay, then let's flip the discussion to why Ben Charrington and his staff are acquiring pitchers who aren't very good. But I'm not going to back off the dialogue here. I'm not. This is a really, really big issue. It might be issue number one at field level right now, because when you get Rowanzi Contreras up here and you start getting your Quinn Priesters and your other guys up here, you'd better believe and have reason to believe that they're in good hands. Right now, I don't see evidence of that. I appreciate the question. I appreciate somebody coming back at me. I'm always cool with that. Let's do this again tomorrow.